welcome everyone. We are so glad that you're here with us this evening. Good Friday is a day in which we as Christians spend time reflecting on and mourning the loss of Jesus' earthly life. On Good Friday, we remember the day that Jesus willingly suffered and died by crucifixion as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. This year, we chose to remember Jesus' life by having our own funeral service for him, modernizing it in a way that we could connect with him. Oftentimes when we think of Jesus, we focus on his lordship. And while that's important, scripture tells us that he was fully God and fully man. As we go throughout this service, our prayer is that you would be able to focus on Jesus being fully man, who had a family, friendships, he had impact, and he held hope for believers. Those in the first century believed that Jesus was here to overthrow the government, and yet he died. So tonight, we mourn his earthly body before moving into the hope of Easter Sunday. In a moment, Maddie and Ashton are going to lead us in a song, but before we do, let me pray for us. God, we remember today the pain and suffering of the cross and all that Jesus was willing to endure so we could be set free. He paid the price to offer us the gift of eternal life. Help us never to take for granted this huge gift of love on our behalf. Help us to be reminded of the cost of it all. Forgive us for being too busy or distracted by other things, for not fully recognizing that you have freely given what you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, that by your wounds we are healed. Thank you that because of your huge sacrifice we can live free. Thank you that sin and death have been conquered and that your power is everlasting. Thank you that we can say with great hope, it is finished. For we know what's still to come and death has lost its sting. We praise you for who you are and for making all things new. It's in Jesus' name. Deep the Father's love for 
that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen Jesus Christ, 33 of Nazareth, died today on Mount Calvary, also known as Golgotha, the place of the skull. Betrayed by the apostle Judas, Jesus was crucified by the Romans by an order of the ruler Pontius Pilate. The cause of death was crucifixion, extreme exhaustion, severe torture, and loss of blood. Jesus Christ, a descendant of Abraham, was a member of the house of David. He was the son of Joseph, Joseph, a carpenter of Nazareth, and Mary, his devoted mother. Jesus was born in a stable in the city of Bethlehem, Judea. He is survived by his mother Mary, his faithful apostles, numerous disciples, and many other followers. He is preceded in death by his father Joseph. Jesus was self-educated and spent most of his adult life working as a teacher. Jesus also occasionally worked as a medical doctor and is reported to have healed many patients. Up until the time of his death, Jesus was teaching and sharing the good news, healing the sick, serving his disciples, touching the lonely, feeding the hungry, and helping the poor. Jesus was most noted for telling parable about which his father's kingdom and performing miracles such as feeding 5,000 people with only five loaves of bread, two fish, and healing a man who was born blind. 
On the day before, he death, before his death, he held a last supper, celebrating the Passover feast at which he foretold, foretold his death. On behalf of Life Church, we want to welcome each one of you to this great day of sorrow. And in a normal funeral circumstance, we would say, in a great day of celebration, right? Because if you have experienced death before, if you've been at a funeral, one of the things to be able to celebrate is when somebody is a believer in Jesus Christ, that there is great sorrow, but there also is great celebration because there's hope in the resurrection. But what we know today and what we want each one of you in this room to experience is what the people around Jesus were experiencing at the time, which was what was real for them was not the hope of the resurrection. What was real for them is that their hope in life was now dead. Everything that they had put all of their hope, their faith, and their trust in was now gone, and there was no hope for the future. And I think for each one of us to truly understand the hope of the resurrection and just how beautiful the resurrection was, we need to sit in the moments that the disciples sat in when they looked upon that cross and Jesus took his last breath and he was taken down and he was put in a tomb. And as family members, you know this, if you've experienced death before, lots of emotions go through your mind. If you've went through those times where you've seen a loved one take their last breath or you've seen someone that you're very close to pass away, you know at those times things seem very bleak. But in your mind, you're always hoping for what could be next. Will I be able to see them again someday? Will I be able to, you know, interact with them someday? And that's some of what funerals bring is not only mourning but hope. But for the disciples, as they were sitting there, what they heard from people is it was over. For all of the people who had put their faith in Christ at the time, that he would be the one, as Nichelle said, the hope wasn't that Jesus just was going to be a great doctor, that he wasn't just going to be a great teacher, that he wasn't going to be a great preacher. He was the hope of the world. If you were a Jew, this was the person that was going to finally bring you out of oppression. If you were one of his followers, you were some, think about this, his followers were chosen when they were chosen by nobody else. Every one of his followers that he chose were people that wanted to be chosen before to be followers of a rabbi, but were rejected. These were the first time that they had been accepted. It's the first time that they felt like there could be hope in their life to do the things that God had called them to do. And now they're sitting in a room like you today with this in mind. Now what? What am I going to do? And for most of them, when they looked at their lives, they said the only thing that we know to do is to go back to what we were doing before because there is no hope. And there is no place to be able to go. And so for many of them sitting in the room, it wasn't just that we are grieving the loss of a really good friend because we can't forget that. Right? Part of the, the grief today was there was a mother sitting in the room who had just lost a son. There were brothers who just lost obviously their brother. They were close friends that for the past three years had spent every minute together. Now we're no longer going to have their leader. That grief was not only great because of a relationship, the grief was great because their hope 
to change the world was now gone. Their hope to be able to change their life was now gone. And so for each one of us tonight, the thing that I want us to be able to do and to remember is, is that we have to be able to sit in the grief of Jesus' death to understand the beauty of his resurrection. And I hope as we go through this tonight that you'll be able to, to understand the depths of the sorrow and the depths of the darkness that the people felt at the time because what's coming in a few days is beautiful in the resurrection. But for the resurrection to be beautiful, we have to understand the darkness that came before that one of the scriptures I want to read to you today is one that I read in almost every funeral, and it's comfort to those who have lost people. And I think this would have been comfort for them at the time, because for all of us, we're wondering, I think, if you've experienced death, how are we going to get through? What will you do next? How will you make it? I hear this a lot of times. In my own life, when we've lost someone close to us that we really love, the question always is, how do you get through not only today, but how are we going to get through tomorrow? Because tomorrow will never be the same, right? When somebody that you love is missing, tomorrow is never the same. And so for most of us who have experienced death of people that we are very close to, the question always is, how am I going to get through the next day? Well, the hope is given to us and comfort given to us in Isaiah 43, verses 2, Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 3. He says, when you pass through the waters, this is God speaking, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And this is why, in all of those circumstances, not water, not fire, not circumstances of life, not death, not any of those things will ever be able to overcome you, and this is why. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He gives us hope. While we're still on this earth grieving loss, as to the people who were grieving loss at the time, he gives them hope that tomorrow might not be the same, but I can tell you what will always be the same. I will be with you. Regardless of the circumstances that you have in life or regardless of the challenges that you're facing today, the hope is, is that God says, I will be with you through all of those things. The other thing that funerals do is uh, they give us a time to reflect. Right? Many times in life you share lots of memories with the person who has just passed away. Like, you know all of the memories, but sometimes you don't sit down to talk about them. You don't sit down to celebrate them. You don't sit down to, to be able to share those with one another. Funerals are times where people are made to pause and to think and to process the life of the person that you loved and how you spent time with that person. And so one of the great joys that I get in every funeral that I get to do is to be able to eulogize the life of the person that has passed away. And in those eulogies, you know, some um, are very easy because when I did my mother-in-law's funerals, that, I mean, somebody that you have all of the memories in the world. Other you try, others, you get to know memories through the family, and you share those memories through uh, the family member's eyes. And tonight, I want to share with you a eulogy or my 
relationship with Christ, my story, the things that I can share with you, the memories that I can look back and say, these are some things that a relationship, my relationship, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ has meant to me. And so when I go back and I, and I look at my relationship, I always try to, or relationship with the person is, I try to pick out those things that are constant and stick out all of the time. The things that you could count on in that person. And this is the one thing that I learned about life very early on. And that is that there are times in life where regardless of all of the people around you, you still feel alone. If everybody's ever felt that before, you could have a hundred people in a room and you could have people talking to you all of the time, but you still have an emptiness or you're still searching for answers. And no matter what anybody says to you, it's really not the answer you need to hear. And so I know my relationship with Christ. One of the things that has always been constant with me is, is that when I turn to him, I'm never alone. That no other person in my life has been able to fill me like my relationship with Christ. I know that the other thing about my relationship with Jesus is this, that regardless of the times that I have failed him, he still loves me, right? What a constant thing to have inside of a relationship because you know how most relationships are, right? Is is that... Sometimes that as long as the love is reciprocated or as long as the things go right, things are reciprocated and relationship is good, but when it's not, it's not. But with Jesus, it was always the same. If I did not reciprocate or I didn't do always the the best job of being in relationship, it didn't matter, he was still there for me. He still wanted to be in relationship with me. And the other thing that... I love about my personal relationship with Christ is he loves me when I am unlovable, which has been enough times in my life that I've had those moments where you are, to a certain extent, I know for me, unlovable. A person who at times isn't so good to be around, but Jesus, regardless of my mistakes and regardless of the things that I've done in my life, has always loved me and loved me unconditionally. And it's something that for me, as a, having a personal relationship, as I remember the life of Jesus with me personally, it's things that are constant and are always there and somebody that I can always turn to. We also know that one of the great things about a funeral service is the opportunity for other people to share, right? See, the, the person that um, has passed away through the eyes of other people and have them share part of the memory because that's part of the grieving process, right? Is to be able to see the person through the eyes of other people, not just through one. And so we have an opportunity. We want you guys to watch this video. And in this video, you're going to see the uh, stories or uh, people talking about uh, their relationship or their last moments or days with Jesus. So watch this. It, it was a different kind of Passover, to say the least. Uh, I remember right when we sat down, Philip leaned over to me and he whispers, Hey, Thomas, I feel like something special is going to happen tonight. <laughs> I looked at him. I said, I doubt it. I was wrong. 
Jesus got up from the table. He, he walked over and grabbed a basin of water and a towel. And I remember at the time thinking to myself, what's Jesus doing with the foot water? You know, I doubt he's going to wash somebody's feet. <laughs> I was wrong. He knelt down and began to wash Bartholomew's feet. Bart just sat there. He, uh, he didn't say anything. He didn't move. None of us did. Jesus finished and went on to James and Andrew and the rest of us. I remember at the time thinking, this is so strange, yet wonderful. And then I thought, I doubt anybody's going to say anything right now. I was wrong. You know who broke the silence. Peter. No way you're going to wash our feet. I mean, that's what I told him. He could wash other people's feet, but he wasn't going to wash mine. I looked at him and I said, Jesus, you're not going to wash our feet. I mean, you're the king. And he looked at me and he said, well, then you can have nothing to do with me. And I'm like, ouch. Okay, wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my whole body if you have to. He looked at me and said, no, your feet will be fine, Peter. In the midst of him washing our feet, he teaches us servanthood. Then Jesus took some bread and some wine. He blessed it and he served it to us. He said it was uh, a new covenant with his blood. And he said, um, tonight, all of you will lose faith in me. I remember thinking right then, lose faith in you? Never. But I didn't say anything. I just sat there. I couldn't just sit there. I had to say something. So I looked at him and I said, Jesus, I love you. You can count on me. Everybody else may fall away, but I will not. You can count on me. He looked at me and he smiled. He said, Peter, you'll deny me three times for tomorrow morning. Ouch. The next thing I knew, we were wrapping things up and we were headed to the garden to pray. Once we got to the garden, um, it's, it just got crazy. Um, Jesus asked Peter, James, and myself to go further in the garden with him and pray, and we did. We tried. We kept falling asleep. Um, Jesus kept waking us up. I remember one time he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's true. It's all a blur. Ugh. And I think this whole mess got started because of Judas. Did he really think what he was doing was right? There. There he is. He's the one you want. The one praying by himself. Now the others, they will come up and try to create some scene. But the one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. Now 30 pieces of silver, right? That's what we agreed upon? 30 pieces. Forget about the rest. The one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. A kiss? Judas betrays Jesus with the kiss of a friend? Uh, and then it, it got crazy. Uh, Peter... Peter grabs a sword and he he cuts off this guy's ear. And Jesus Jesus reached down and picked it up and put it right back on the guy's head as if nothing had happened. And then um and then they took him. I'd love to tell you that we fought for him 
but we did. Everyone ran. I ran. I'm so ashamed. What have I done? What have I done? Was I so stupid to think that... I've killed him. I've killed him. I've crucified Jesus. I crucified Jesus. It's what the crowd wanted and that's what they got. And personally, I don't feel like that man did anything to deserve that, but I was just a soldier doing my job. When the governor gave his sentence, that's when I would go to work. I loved that job. I felt like I was administering justice every time I nailed someone to a tree. But that man, that man didn't deserve that. Didn't make sense to me. It makes no sense. There I was, rotting in a jail cell, for stealing, murdering. You name it, I've done it. And I knew, the next time I stepped foot outside that jail cell, well, and that was it. So the guards, they came and got me, and they put me beside this guy that was beaten to a pulp. Then Governor Pilate started asking the crowd, which one of these men do you want me to set free? I mean, it was obvious. I mean, the crowd, they're going to say, let Jesus go. And then I was going to tell them where they could go. And then the crowd, they started chanting Barabbas. I mean, I mean, they were saying my name. They were saying my name over and over and over again. The guards, they threw me to the crowd and, and, they, and they took Jesus to Golgotha. I mean, I mean one minute I, I am a man marked for death and then the next I'm, I'm free. It made no sense. So I followed him all the way to Golgotha. I was stationed at Golgotha that day. We just raised the second criminal when they brought him to me. I'll never forget the way he looked. He'd been beaten, spit on, whipped. He was unrecognizable as a man. Hideous. What was left of his clothes were stripped off of him and he was thrown down on the cross. That's when I went to work. Generally, when you crucify a man, the first hand is the most difficult. The criminal wants to get away, he fights you. So I would have two soldiers hold him down, but this guy, he didn't put up a fight. I just thought he was exhausted. As an executioner, I've been called every name in the book. I've had men yell at me, plead with me. But I wasn't prepared for that. He looked at us. He looked at me. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He forgave me. Forgive them. He said, forgive them. Who is he? Forgive. Should have been me up there. 
I was the one that was supposed to be hanging on that cross. He took my place. Then I looked up, and I remember he took a uh, deep, agonizing breath, and he said, it is finished. And then, he died. Surely, this man was the son of God. I feel alone 
So there have been many um, Good Friday services where I have sat in the crowd and agreed with the people who just shared, which was, it should have been me. He didn't deserve it. I did. And in every moment of that, when I sit there and think through what he went through, somebody told me this one time, is, is that Jesus stayed nailed on a cross, climbed up on the cross voluntarily because he saw my face and yours and knew that any sacrifice was worth it for you. And that no amount of pain, no amount of death, no amount of scourging, no amount of, of humiliation was going to keep him from dying for me and you. And in tonight's service, I want to conclude with this, is that the other emotion that always comes up in these services for me is and honestly, in every relationship where I've lost somebody, it's like, thank you. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for the things that you've done for me. Thanks for the way that you have changed my life. And I think there is no greater time than tonight to do the same thing, to say, you know what? Jesus, thank you. And for every person in this room, that has a relationship with Jesus Christ, your thank you could be different. Your thank you could be the thing that, that is most precious to you at this moment in your life. But we do know this, that we all today, even though we are mourning the death of our Savior, can be thankful. And so each one of you got on your chair a little piece of paper and here's what we're asking you to do. Take an opportunity to just write in there. It says, thank you, Jesus, for. And here's what we're going to ask you to do. Is we're going to ask you to essentially pay your last respects, to bring your card up and place it in the casket. And you can just drop it right in. After you do that, we would ask you to line the hallway and all the way out to the front doors. And uh, after everybody's card is in, we're going to have pallbearers that are going to take the casket out to the hearse. After we've taken the casket out, it's the conclusion of our service. And what we want you to do in these moments of saying thank you and in these moments of paying your last respects and in these moments of... Um, watching the casket go by, remember not only the darkness of today, but remember in two days from now, we're going to celebrate the greatest gift ever given to mankind in the resurrection of our Savior. But to make it complete, we need to sit in the tragedy of his death. And so as Ashton plays, he's going to continue to play We'd ask you to just take your time, whatever time you need, come up, 
put it in the casket after you have. Just make your way uh, out into the hallway, line the hallway, and then we will be bringing the casket out from there.